Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Tiger Pops. And today we have Ashleen and Emily, who have actually been on together as a combo as well. Hello. <laughs> Another awkward pause. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so, hi. I've uh, been on the few episodes before, and uh, I manage the Facebook group, uh, the non-FastPass one, and uh, I have the podcast, The Feminist Critique. And I am Emily. Obviously, I've been on before with a few people, but Ajeline was the first person I did a podcast with, so this feels very nostalgic. Um, I'm in New Jersey. I work for my husband's family business, um, hobby distributor, um, and I am on the Facebook groups, but I do not run any. <laughs> also, that was a great episode, by the way. Oh, it was. Yeah. It's funny that you're talking about it like it's nostalgic because it was like maximum like two and a half months ago. <laughs> true, very true. But I didn't know Ashley back then, or or you really, Mindy. So this was it was like my first time. So it feels I don't know. I feel like I'm coming. I've done what two more since then. I think Ashley's done a whole bunch. So this feels I don't know. Feels like I'm coming full circle now. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know. It's like it does feel like we've been doing this for forever, even though it hasn't been. Yeah, it's only been a little bit, but it, it feels, I don't know, I feel like I've been in the Midnight Poppyland world for years, and it's been, I, don't, I think, like two, maybe, that I've been in it. So it feels like it's been my entire life. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. the obsession level that I'm at. So, so you think it when it was um, out on Discovery? Yeah, I had it when it was still, uh, I think it was technically Discover back then, yeah. Um so, so, so in fact, fun fact about let's, getting into the episode, fun fact about this episode, um, this was the first completely new episode, 31, was, was completely new contact for the first time in Midnight Poppy Land 2.0, because up till now, everything else had been on Discover. Um, mm-hmm. Different, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly the same, but the general plot stopped at, um, from the first one in episode 30. Um, and this one was brand new, like brave new world for all of us Discover fans. Um, so it was a really exciting factor. <laughs> it was really exciting when that did happen. Yeah, it was nerve wracking and exciting. It was, it was, I remember everyone panicking beforehand. Um, and this episode did not disappoint. Yep. Okay, so let's get into it. So we start out with them, Mr. Poppy and Mr. Lamb in the restaurant. So just a little bit of a recap, they're in the restaurant because Mr. Lamb has agreed to meet with Poppy again and listen to her proposal properly this time, hopefully. And Poppy is reminiscing now about the, um, she reminisced last time about the, the tiger ball, the balls, the animal balls that her father would bake her. And now she's reminiscing about the tiger balls that she made Torah. And she's going, she's going back into her memory and this part was kind of cut off last time when, when we had the episode about it. So you see here, Tora is staring at his bento, um, his plate. And he says, it's a tiger with hair. And, you know, we see that she made him a rice ball with, you know, the hair and the gauges and like the thick black eyeliner that isn't really <laughs> eyeliner. And, you know, the food and everything. And she says, that's you. And look, and she said, we rushed off before we could grab more groceries, but here's your seafood. She like actually cut out, you know, fish and stars 
and like these little coral reef kind of things. And she put a ton of effort into this. It's really adorable and like how much care that she put into it. Um, like I, I've never had somebody make me a bento box, but like you see the ones online and this is almost, or it is to this point of like the really nice ones online. Like that's how good it is. It is. It's really detailed. And so um, I grew up when I, my mom was very like cutesy and making my lunch boxes and stuff growing up. I mean, it wasn't like, she didn't make me a tiger ball that looked my, like me, but, or, or a rice ball that mm. looked like me, but she would like put little like my fruit into faces or things like that. So this is, and I've started doing that. Um, like with my husband, like if he was in a bad mood, I'd make like cute little like faces and food or, um, just like play with food in general, maybe based on that. Um, but to me, like, I think in general food is kind of like feeding someone is linked with caring for them. Um, and I think, that this was like taking it to the next level. It's not just that she's giving Poppy's not just giving Tora food or cooking for him. She like took it a whole nother step forward, um, really paying attention to everything. And it's not just cooking. It's like, it's affectionate cooking. Like there's a lot of care that she put into this outside of just the taste or the flavor. Like she made it personal to him specifically, um, which just like shot me right in the heart. Mm-hmm. Right. You mentioned that he, she paid attention. And yeah, like besides for paying attention to his physical characteristics, she paid attention to what he was saying and how he wanted seafood. Like and that was a pretty like throwaway line in the grocery, but she really was, she was listening to him. Yeah, she's observant. Yes, they're both very observant and intelligent. Mm-hmm. I, I always wonder like about this moment, right? Because um when he said like yeah I want you to like cook me something or whatever like I'm sure he was just expecting like you know a a few things like thrown into a stir fry or whatever just something quick because uh then that meant that like he would leave her life forever and like that was it right but then she put so much care and like attention to detail here yeah and so I was trying to think back um so we obviously have more information. So I was trying to put myself like back into the mindset of like this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to think back of um, what happened before this episode. Cause it's been a while since I've actually read episode 31. Um, but it was this flashback was back on the balcony scene night when, you know, when they had their kind of heart to heart and kind of attempted opening up with each other. Um, and when I think about everything that Poppy went through that night, she, you know, she, she had uh, the the brushing with Benjamin, you know, she was trying to find Mr. Lamb. She was terrified in a place that was very scary. Saw a kid get beaten over the head, um, ended up at Quincy's place, like ran into Tora again unexpectedly. Um, this whole time, like she knows something's up. We remember that flashback we get into where she's like at the end of that night together, she's in the dark on her bed, like looking at her search results for what for the Bathman organization. So like she's had a lot on her mind tonight. Mm-hmm. And still she managed to remember the detail about Tora wanting seafood and putting this together. Like she's mentally drained from this day and she still gives it her all. Like that is just absolutely inspirational. It straight up needs to, it, it's probably like two o'clock in the morning for them too. Like it has to be super late. Yeah. I'm not, mm. I am, I am cranky when I'm tired. So like, I don't, maybe mm-hmm. they're just, maybe I'm giving them, you know, maybe we're giving them too much credit. Maybe she's up at two o'clock all the time. But if this was me, I'd be like, dude, we're ordering, I don't know, the quickest fast food we can possibly get. And you're getting out of my house and I need to get in bed. Mm-hmm. They're, also, they're also a bit younger than us at this point. Um, Poppy, I think, significantly so. 
And also, if you guys remember, like, the beginning days of, like, your relationship, I mean, I would, like, I was willing to do anything for my husband. Oh, okay, and that's even- true. Okay, well, when you put it in the cute terms of that, I'm thinking, like, 10 years post knowing my husband, and I'm just like, dude, make your own shit and just don't wake me up. So you're right. Okay, this is true. If you think about it in that cute, adorable, I don't, I don't want to say new love, but, you know, new affection, that's true. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like, reading, reading Midnight Poppyland has made me more attentive to how I'm treating my own husband. Because, you know, here I am, like, being all goo gaga over Torah. Then I'm like, I'm like, how can I then go and treat my own love of my life dismissively or inattentively or not give him the same patience and consideration that I give my husband? And <laughs> Husbands <laughs> all over should be writing Lily Dusk thank you notes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the like next part, um, I didn't notice this until just now. Right. But when Tora like goes to take the picture and she's like, um, what are you doing? And he's, he ends up saying, taking a picture of this damn tiger to send to my friends. Well, she said pretty much a very similar thing in an earlier episode about, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to take a picture of this damn Pikachu uh, and said it to my damn friends. Oh my god! Wait, Emily, that's amazing. I never even connected that. That's yeah. My mind is blown right now. Like she, she literally, she knows him that well already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, predicting his behavior, his even his verbal like cues, and he's laughing actually while he says this, which is funny. I didn't only also notice that now. So no, his face. Go ahead. He, yeah, up, up if you go a little bit up above his face when he's staring at the tiger, um, and like the whole bento box you made, he's just like staring at it and <laughs> flummoxed by that. He is, yeah, and the little close-ups of the fishies and the starfish. Um, something that got me was uh Lola's been on this podcast before and she always makes me laugh with her comments on Patreon. Um, and when Tora snapped the photo of the meal. Um, she commented saying, like, he's taking a picture for the gram. And I'm just supposed to try to picture Tor on Instagram. <laughs> maybe it would probably be the best platform for him because he's not very loquacious. So, like, if he's not going to be talking a lot, maybe Instagram is the best place for him to be if he had to be on social media. But, like, Twitter must just literally blow his mind. <laughs> but I'm picturing it- him just. If he's on Instagram, it's mostly just pictures of him at the gym, 100%. <laughs> And I would subscribe in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think Toro would post pictures of himself. He's not self-centered. Mm, that's yeah. true. I don't, I don't think he values that about himself either. I think, if anything, he's sick and tired of being identified as a as a strong, muscular man. True. Yeah, but not <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So anyway, Poppy reacts in a very visceral and unexpected way to him taking a picture. She screams no, her eyes are wide in panic, her mouth is wide open, and she rushes over the table to try to grab the phone from him. And she says, he says, why not? And he says, she says, it's for your eyes only. And he's like, but it's cute, what's the big deal? And, you know, he's kind of leaning back and he's hoisted the phone away from her up in the air, still chewing. And she's like, it's not like, and poor Tori, he's like, it's not like I have many friends to send it to, which is sad. My yeah. heart. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that he even just can say that, you know, he's not ashamed to admit it. Um, I think he's one of those kind of people, like, even if he hadn't grown up um, in adverse circumstances, he may just be a more reticent kind of person and, like, you know, not have to have, have a smaller circle of close friends anyway. 
But I, I also like that he's, you know, he's comfortable enough to tell that to her. Like, he's not ashamed of it. You know, he's like, this is how I am. And this is how I, I live. And it's okay. I'm not going to be embarrassed and try to pretend I'm something and I'm not. We also, like, see a little flash of his, like, canines in there, yeah. right? Which is... I was just going to say that, yes. <laughs> like, very reminiscent. Because his name is, right, Taurus. So mm-hmm. he almost has that, like, aesthetic of... um. <laughs> yeah i don't know this is gonna sound so nerdy but like if you've watched or like inuasha or like any of uh that sort of like dudes with long hair that's like he he's that aesthetic and every time i see it i'm just like yeah i can see why i like this yeah this is i don't i I think i've asked myself a million times like why people are okay i'm obsessed with torah but when i say people are obsessed with torah i mean like a large focus of um of comments are based on Torah, which I am a hundred percent guilty of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always wonder to myself, like, why? Like, Poppy is such an amazing character. Like, she's insanely complex, which I want to get into later because I think this was the first episode we really see an in-depth hint that like Poppy's character is really complex. But, um, but I wonder, like, why? Like, why is this man like the heartthrob of the webtoon community and like? Is it the hair? Is it the canines? Is it the eyes? Is it the tragic backstory? Is it the bad boy nature? Is it a combination of everything? Is it the asymmetry of his face? Like, I have thought way too long on this, but you're right. He's (laughs) definitely like that anime heartthrob, Inuyasha, animalistic kind of like character that just gets us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's because he has a combination of that is rare in people in real life and that we want. Like, we want he's the alpha male and he's strong and powerful and can take care of us. And then he's also sweet and sensitive on the inside and can love us emotionally. And he's gorgeous. What a man. Yes. Yeah. He's <laughs> a whole package. Yeah. I'm like, when I read this, I'm like, it's kind of totally written for us. And like, this is, our, you know, a dream world, but it's okay. It's fine. We need to have some imagination and fantasy in our life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So anyway, so she here is grabbing him and he is perturbed by this. Um, You know, she says, you don't understand in this next panel, you know, he's blushing. His eyes are wide in panic (laughs) and he um, doesn't know what to say. (laughs) And, you know, she's like, if you want to send them food pictures, I can make something else for you some other day. Then we see this shot of Tora's clenched fist just shaking. And my first thought when I saw this was I actually thought he was having a trauma reaction because she was invading his personal space and like touching him. Um, but then other people um, talked about it being, and then Lily did kind of confirm this, where basically he was just um, affected by her touching him so intimately. And perhaps he was getting a view, if you see that panel of like him looking down and, you know, Poppy with her low cut shirt, maybe he was seeing something that was making him feel a certain way. And he was like, okay, I can't, gotta not touch her. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Cause like you can see like the blush lines and him uh, looking down and just like being super quiet. Right. And it's, it's almost like, what is this hamster doing to me? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And he's, he's a gentleman. Like that is so like, he's literally, it's nighttime in a girl's apartment alone. And like his main concern is that that he wants to touch her and he's not going to touch her because they don't know each other and that would just be rude and unacceptable at this moment in their relationship but he wants to which obviously makes us very happy yeah he has a lot of self-control i mean you know it's something he's had to really 
work on in general for his life position. But it's good to see that. I mean, that's something very admirable. Yeah. I mean, if Poppy was throwing herself at me, like I'd want to touch her too. Like she looks squishy and comfortable, like forgetting the (laughs) fact that like, you know, I'm pretty much heterosexual. I I would still want to squish her because she looks adorable. Right. And this is something, you know, Toro, who's been deprived of touch and affection his whole life. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is even more appealing to him. Oh, yeah. But I think he wants it in the right way. You know, I think he understands, like, it wouldn't be satisfying if it wasn't given to him. If it was taken, it wouldn't be respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he needs to, um, apparently his, there's a level to how much he could control himself because he rushes himself back and he points at her and he's like, sit. <laughs> it, just, it just comes out of him because he's just like, go away. I can't handle this. You need to be further away from me. Oh, yeah. And so- she's she's sitting back, right? And her hands are up like, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> a quick realization. And this, so that's sit. Um this is, I had one more quote from Lola that made me laugh that she had, um, she had, we had been talking previously that week. I think we were chatting about something and she showed me a meme. Um, and it was just so applicable to this scene that I remember like, as soon as I saw that command, that sit, um, I thought of it and it was like something along the lines of like, I want a man to tell me to obey. I won't do it, but I reckon I might get turned on a little. <laughs> like I just made me laugh because like that's Poppy. Like she's not gonna she's not gonna listen to Tora like all the time. Like she's got a mind of her own. She's her own strong little hamster. Um, but like that made the entire fan that sit probably made the entire fan be like, oh yes, daddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> like we don't have to listen, but like you know, maybe once in a while it might be hot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and she's reacted to it. And like that, this panel, the next one is of her just looking at him with her hands up at her, at her like, um, you know, neck, kind of like protecting herself because you know, he basically pushed her away. And this other panel, he's like sweating, eyes are still open, his jaws clenched, um, you know, still blushing. And so, I mean, so clearly- it's probably because he kind of. He has boner. <laughs> like <laughs> there, we said it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm, can I say that on this? Uh, whatever. We have no filter. Yeah. Um, and both of them. So this is taking on a different term now that you just said that. But both of them are very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, in both of these panels, Poppy, because like we'll, we'll see later. Poppy's already starting to panic just about like the idea of him sharing pictures of of the bento. So she's uncomfortable just with her own self like her memories and self-esteem, I'll say. I don't think that's the right word, but that that kind of thing. And then Tor is uncomfortable because it probably just threw herself at him and Boner. So like <laughs> the two of them are both equally uncomfortable for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and so she... Oh, sorry, go, go on. No, go ahead. Oh, um, I wasn't going to say anything important, too important. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. So she then goes into, you know, she says, I'm sorry, I guess I overreacted. I don't normally do this, not for anyone other than myself anyway. I just thought it might give you a laugh. And, you know, she looks agitated here. She says, the last thing I want, and she's stammering, is for you to be teased by your friends. And now she's going into a flashback. She hears Jewelry's friends talking to him. They're saying, hey, Jewelry, your girlfriend made this for you. How old is she? Eight? Look at this kitty crap. Come on, I'm sure you can do better than that. Bit of a loser, is she? I feel for you, buddy. And it's just, you know, jewelry and a bunch of guys around him making fun of the lunchbox that she's made. And jewelry, instead of defending her and saying, my girlfriend is amazing and you wish your girlfriends did this for you. He's like, huh, I think I took my kid's sister's lunch by accident. 
And, and they're like, oh, your girlfriend's more sophisticated than them, right? Yeah, of course she is. And he's walking away from her. And like, she's literally right there. And they're looking back at her. And they're talking like this about her in front of her. Mm-hmm. This is heartbreaking. And like, you know, Jory's a douchebag, even if you don't look the speech bubbles. Because like, look at the way he's wearing his sunglasses. I'm sorry, but like, he's got that little like half button down shirt and the sunglasses dangling. Like, he thinks he's hot shit. And he's not. <laughs> And I think there was, like, a collective, like, I don't know, mob mentality that probably went through the fandom of, like, pitchforks and torches when we read this. Because I think everyone can relate to some kind of insecurity of this kind, whether from an asshole boyfriend or just, like, in general. About, like, feeling silly. Like, I used to watch anime and my friends didn't. Like, I felt awkward about that. Like, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. Um, And yet, despite all these negative memories that Poppy had, she still went out and made this bento for Tora. Like knowing that someone else made fun of her, that other people put her down, that her own friends later in that panel say you made him a Pokemon bento. Like, what were you thinking? Like, first off, she needs new friends. Um, But like, she's still, after having that bad memory and this reaction to it, that's obviously still fresh in her mind. She still goes out and makes it for Tora again, because like she goes out on a limb and doesn't let those insecurities inhibit her and she makes it for him and gets a completely different reaction which is super strong because like how many of us would never do that again because we would just associate it with a bad memory and just think that you know we're not worthy of this kind of you know sharing this cute side of ourselves with other people but she's like just this goddess of like strength and empathy and warmth and passes it this on to tour anyway despite you know the chance that she might get shut down for it And here's the other thing, too, about, like, this little scene. I don't think that uh, Jewelry um, ever introduced her to his friends. Like, it's almost like he kept her hidden because, like, it's, you know, you would think that um, them, like, talking about her and, like, oh, your girlfriend, right? Oh, she's more sophisticated than that. Like, they don't know about her, obviously, because, or they don't, they haven't met her. It just, it doesn't seem like they know anything about it because he's hidden her. Also, who was sophisticated in high school? Come on now. (laughs) Sorry? I said, also, who was sophisticated in high school? Like, I wasn't. (laughs) I don't think anyone Uh, was. No, I wasn't. (laughs) I mean, they're kids. They think they're sophisticated. You know, they know everything. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, was a bit more real. Not just major. But yeah, you're right, Ajeline, you're right, because they, they say, like, you know, Jewelry knows that she's right behind them, but the, the, the friends don't know that she's right behind them because they don't know her. They say, you know, when are you going to introduce her to us? We haven't even seen a photo of her. So they have no idea that she's right behind them. So let's give them, them a little bit of, like, they're not complete assholes like Jewelry is. They're like, isn't she on the same campus that, as us now? Maybe ne- And then he's like, maybe next week she's been busy with projects and stuff. Sweet, tell her to bring all her hot friends along, the more the merrier. Oh, my God, they're so juvenile. <laughs> yeah. And this is actually, I will say, I um, am not super, I don't think, okay, so I don't think Jewelry is like a particularly great person, but I also, I'm willing to give him a little bit of time to grow up, because in this scene, he's in high school, and, or in college, probably, and the truth is, I do know, like, there are people who are complete, like, real jerks in high school and college, and then they get older, and they grow up, and they become better people, 
So I will say, like, I, I am going to give him a little bit of time. Like, at, at this moment, he's a big dickwad. But, like, I do think that it's possible he could become, like, a better person. Because there are people who, like, wise up and realize that they were nasty people when they were younger. I've seen it. Yeah, so. but if he's at least 22 or 23 in the current timeline when he's cheating on Poppy, like, sure, he's still got plenty of time to grow up. Guys don't have that kind of, you know, mentality. They don't grow up as quickly as women tend generally. But, like... Still, he still is pretty much a dickwad. So I'm just going to, I'm I'm the opposite of you. You are very kind to give him more credit. I'm going to rage <laughs> against jewelry, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> True. Yeah, I get it. Well, that's the um, thing. Like, I've had, I've had, like, a boyfriend like that where he just was almost, like, embarrassed of that I was his girlfriend. So I'm just like, nah, fuck this dude. Like, he's okay, the worst. Well, I've got my pitchforks and torches for you now give me the guy's address and i'll i <laughs> know <laughs> oh, it was like 10 years ago it was 10 years ago when i was 19 i'm sure he's grown up but like you know yeah we'll be- i i think that there's been a lot of people out there that have definitely had like a shitty boyfriend or like significant other that just you know well they should passive aggressively send them midnight poppy land to be like hey read this you might learn something <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny, Ashley, because it's, it's funny because the second you mentioned that, I was like, I was getting angry for you. And then I realized, like, I'm very, um, I try to be even tempered by people I don't know. But I, when somebody I know tells me that they were treated that way, then I get angry for them. <laughs> so, Aw, like, you guys are sweet. Riot. <laughs> <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> you have two modes. There are only two modes. It's perfectly fine or we have to murder him. It's, it's <laughs> hot and cold. <laughs> right. It's. Well, anyway, it's really just a whole bunch of like personal stuff, but I mean, not, not with, um, I was never, I never had like a gaslighting boyfriend, but just, I've known people who have not been so nice when they were younger and they, they grew out of it. So I hope they, hope they regret what they did. I think there, are, there are plenty of people that are, are definitely, um, immature and, and grow from that. I mean, I think everyone does really just depends mm-hmm. on the level of the, the kind of um, spectrum of growth that needs to be achieved. So you're right. Yeah. And that is an extremely admirable mindset. <laughs> yep. oh, okay. So, um, so here Torin is showing his complete opposite reaction to jewelry. He's like, they can try to make fun of me. He has a lot of confidence in many ways about himself. And in, in many ways he hates himself. Like we know this, but, um, but in many ways he's also very confident. Um, about himself and he's like I'm about especially about things like this like he knows that he's not he's not one to um you know go along with the crowd and like care about trivial things he's like um this is not important I value this I enjoy it so like nobody else is going to make me feel ashamed of this and yeah. you know Poppy's reaction Poppy's like oh interesting you know this is not what she expected yeah well, that's and- the thing you see the little like baba or that like heartbeats sound right and like that this is the moment where like she's starting to fall for him a little that's why this episode was i i I keep saying it's my favorite episode there are a million favorite episodes but this is one of my favorite episodes for their relationship growth um Mm -hmm. because i mean you still see um, you see like a lot of people on webtoons. I, I read the comments and I shouldn't um, because a lot of them just don't read the comic. But anyway, um, they a lot of people don't understand like their relationship progression. Like some people are, you know, I want them to kiss now. And some people are, yeah, they don't even know each other. And like, they're both wrong. They're like right in the middle of these two things. And this one episode 
was where their um, compassion for each other really shone. Because while Poppy is trying to pick Tor up, like she noticed that he was a little bit, you know, off or um, especially in the grocery store, she saw that he was a little bit sad. She picked up on that and went right into caretaker mode and made, became this bento. And then Tora flip-flops and does the exact same thing for her when he notices her getting upset. And he takes on that caregiver role of, like, so this comes up a couple times in Midnight Populand, but, like, emotional validation. This is one of those moments where she, he's, like, saying, like, you know, he, this next line is he, he clicks send, he sends this picture, um... And he, like, looks up at her kind of like a, I sent it. What are you going to do about it? You know, he said, like, that one line. He said, like, they can try. When, when she was saying they're going to make fun of you, it was like a, they can try, but it's not going to work. Like, I think this is cute. I'm confident that I think this is cute. I don't care what anyone else says. You made this for me. I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm going to appreciate it. Like, this was a very deep moment for people that don't have, like, a lengthy connection but they have a very strong connection off the bat. They notice each other. They pick up on yeah. nonverbal social cues. Um, and it's just, it's really admirable that both of them are caring for each other so strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious to see, I, I realized that the the take that I have on these next few panels is I, probably not something that other people um, see. So mm-hmm. what you said about him, you know, that expression where he's like, okay, I sent it. What are you going to do about it? So I felt to me like that was him saying, you know, I'm still an independent person and I do what I want. You know, you can't control me. Oh. And Cut. yeah. And the but dump that where she has, where she sees him sending it to me, I saw it as like what we were talking about before where he says sit and people were like, oh my God, they're attracted to him telling her what to do. So to me, I also felt that was her kind of also being attracted to him asserting himself and asserting his independence. Ooh, um, and I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can too. I stand a confident, independent man. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> you know, it makes um, it makes for a challenge and it makes for like a real, real coupling because you have a real person before, before you, not just like a mirror of yourself who just does whatever you want. That's very true. I find that that's really important in relationships because, um, when when if if I argue I I like okay, let me preface this I love my husband we get along wonderfully um but I like to argue I'm I'm someone that like if um like if I disagree and if he disagrees and we're both very opinionated um so I think I had a point to this and now I'm just thinking about arguing with my husband where did what did you just say I completely lost what I was gonna say well I think we, you I think like you need somebody who does challenge you like when it oh. comes to a relationship relationship like uh, I haven't been in many relationships but like I feel that this is something that you know does help a good relationship is a little bit of that challenge not not like you're arguing all the time but um, you also don't want somebody who just like does whatever you want at all times or you know simps for you yeah, so the uh, the phrase that, that alluded to me was you don't want an echo chamber. You don't want someone yeah. that's just going to agree with you all the time. I mean, like, sure, you need someone that's going to hear you and is going to, um, you know, be there for you when you need them and, and validate your feelings. But that doesn't mean that they have to, you know, agree. It's not like he wasn't just like, oh, you're right. This just makes you uncomfortable. I'm not going to send it. He said, you know, no, I see that you're upset, but I'm going to do this anyway because these were, you know, like he was very firm about the fact that, like, he took her opinions and her needs into consideration and then acted in a more progressive way to show her why this was, this was a valid way for her to feel, but 
that doesn't have to be how she feels like that there are other options and they could be positive ones. Like it just, I don't know. It was very, it was very affirming. Yeah. That's sweet. Well, that's, you know, something that like they both give to each other um, and, you know, help. And that that's what attracts them to each other, whether they know it or not. I think, I think people many times subconsciously un- intuit things about another person when they get into them and Poppy and Tori, I think of it, some, you know, everyone's relationship develops differently. Some people, it takes time. Some people are friends for years before they get together. But I think some people have a, a very instant click mm-hmm. because they intuit that the other person can like heal them. And I do think that Poppy and Tora have that. I think they're like really, really drawn to each other. I agree. Mm-hmm. So now Poppy is like, okay, this is uncomfortable. Let's uh, divert the conversation. And she coughs and she says, okay, let's eat. And Tora's like, how do I eat this thing? And Poppy's like, that's easy. I like to bite off the ears first or the head if it has a body. And he's like, no shit, you really are a sadist, aren't you? <laughs> and, and then Poppy is like, go ahead. Oh, I, I love how she's just like, stop saying that. I'm just a cute and innocent girl next door, which kind of uh, is an ongoing joke. Uh, in the comment that, you know, she's sweet and innocent, but underneath, like, there's, there's something more deep under and we're starting to like, slowly, you know, it's slowly peeling back the the layers. Right. And her her voicing that is already, you know, making fun of herself, which Mm -hmm. is nice that she can do that. And she's willing to drop the front with Tora. She's only done that with Ardeen, which is, you know, Ardeen is already like a pretty good friend at this point. So again, trust level going up. Yeah, I've so I've got a lot to say about this specific panel. Um, shocker, I talk a lot. Um, so first off, that cough. Okay, let's eat. That's like typical Pisces deflection. Like things are getting a little bit too emotional. I'm just gonna shut down for a little bit and deflect the situation. Um, and then she goes into this cute little girl next door routine. Um, I, I definitely. So one of the things that struck me here was. Um, the back I tend to try and look at backgrounds like when it's a big full panel like this or something I'm looking for like symbolism or lighting or things like that um and I remember in a, in a previous episode when Tora when uh actually I think it's technically this night when when Poppy's sleeping in the bed and Tora kneels down to talk to her um uh, before he leaves and asks her to lock the door he's standing like behind the doorway with the with a night sky in the background very dark and she's got this glowing light behind her with the white wall washing her you know like kind of angelic looking and here's kind of opposite she's by the dark door and the night sky and he's got the light panel behind him and it's kind of like for the first time she's kind of like he's he's acknowledging that like you're a sadist and you're not a cute little girl next door like there's definitely more to you than that you just want people to think that um so that kind of that background mirrored that kind of idea um and i feel like i had more to say the just in that he's very childlike whereas she's more serious in this in this scenario like she just like bite the ears off and he's like how like how do you eat this thing like they're just like very um they're flip-flopped here and this was kind of again the the point where i started noticing like fully that like poppy's going to be a lot more complex maybe a little darker um than we expected her to be mm-hmm. and and like I, I love that he's just like, yeah, I'm not buying that shit. And then, <laughs> but, and then she's just like, you know what? I take that as a compliment. Like, it really is just that cute little exchange where they kind of, um, I don't want to call it negging, uh, but it, it's that. Okay, it's banter. Yeah, banter. Like, it's just, it's cute banter. And we love good, good, cute ban- banter. Oh my oh, God, that is a mouthful. 
<laughs> it is. And what you were saying about, um, about like that he's noticing that of her, that he's like, he, he's calling her on it um, is I like that because a lot of, I feel like a lot of um, first impressions are really big in this comic and like judging a book by its cover kind of theme um, are really big. And for the first time they're peeling back the cover, um, which I feel like this the whole thing kind of works because it's all very book. The whole thing is like editor book related, but like both of them like started off with like a big scary thug and little cute girl. And for the first time it's like their, their appearances, they're noticing more than just their appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really in this episode, they're really getting to know the nitty gritty, like the lines on the pages, not just um, the actual like pretty cover or scary cover, you know, for I, the other thing I want to say, cause like uh, you also being somebody who um, like had, uh like saw the the comic beforehand the discover version mm-hmm. um have you noticed that this version of poppy is so much more sophisticated and like more complex because the first version i found was almost like she was cute still but kind of goofy in a way you know what i mean yeah, that's a good point um i'm trying to think about the differences she she's definitely Maybe it's just more, um, I think there was a lot more comic relief in the original one. It was a lot mm-hmm. more than it was, um, like, to, like this, this just feels uh, deeper, this version yeah. of Poppy. It's the same Poppy. It's the same, um, like, she's still the same person, but you're mm-hmm. right. There's definitely more layers, um, a little bit more complexity. Um so you're, yeah, I, I definitely know the feeling that you're getting at, but um, maybe it was just this was the first episode that sure. was, that that would have been continued from the Discover version. So like maybe we had just like maybe we were one episode shy of seeing this depth in Poppy's character. I don't know, um, but you're right. I definitely see see more of it here this time around. Yeah, and I know Lily also mentioned that um, she was less skilled as an artist before, and that she had a lot of. Um, themes and you know feelings that she wanted to put in but she just didn't know how to draw them and then you know she got better and now she is able to do that and I really admire that a lot because you know for as somebody who wants to do creative things I'm always wondering like when am I ready to put it out there and when am I good enough and um, it's very affirming to realize that you're growing even as you can present your material to the public because you're always improving and like sometimes it's better to just jump in and get started and even if you aren't like perfect yet, because you know there's no such thing, and and also the the act of creating uh, improves you. Well, the so thing I- that I appreciate about what Lily did was she announced that um, Midnight Poppyland got picked up, and I want to see January or like February of 2019, and then she took like a few months off f- just to like work on the story um to and work on her art and you can definitely see like the progression from say the last episode to um of of the old version to the new episode of like the newer version um and it didn't like the first one didn't premiere until october so she took like almost yeah like nine months Mm -hmm. so the yeah agreed and so this mindy what you were saying i actually just read a quote today and i'm 
going to completely butcher it, so I'm sorry, but it was something along the lines of, like, don't judge your chapter one on someone else's chapter 25. Like, no. you, you're you starting out, and, and um, like, Lily started somewhere. Every Webtoon artist or author or photographer or singer or whatever started somewhere. Um, and like when you, when you compare yourselves to other people, I think it's, I, I don't know what, what Lily does with her own, you know, um, when she looks back at her own art, but I feel like judging yourself based on yourself is such a wonderful tool and a wonderful way to see like that you can change, you can grow, you can improve. Um, cause I know like a lot of people say like, I have a few artist friends who are like, I can't look at my old work. And I'm like, why? Like you look at that and you say like, one, like it was still beautiful. And two, you, you have come such a long way. Like you've, it's not that it's necessarily improved or, or whatnot, but like you have adapted, you've evolved, um, you've changed, you've learned new things. And so like, it's, it's amazing to really look at that, that change over time. Um, and you, you really can't, you can't judge your work based on someone else's or, um, anything like that. So Mindy, you keep going. Um, and, uh, just like Lily, I'm sure had plenty of times that she looked at someone else's art and was like, wow, like, why can't I do that? Like she's doing it now. She's, she's got, I'm like, what i don't even know anymore like a million subscribers more than that um and i i uh i do know what she ended up saying about her art because uh i i am so she she did contact me on uh um like online but that was about like facebook stuff but i ended up asking her if i could possibly share some of the old panels of the comic to kind of like do a comparison in the Facebook group and uh, because, you know, I, I just wanted like permission um, beforehand. And, um, and she was like, Oh, that's really embarrassing that artwork. And I'm like, but in my head, I was like, no, you shouldn't be embarrassed. Like everybody improves. It's, but yeah, anyways, that's, but that's what she had to say. She was like, Oh, I'm really embarrassed of like my old stuff. Well, uh, but- so no one is immune to their own, you know, I think everyone is their own worst critic. Um, so I think that's also inspirational in its own way because like everyone else can relate to that feeling. Like, you know, everyone, everyone looks back and cringes, even someone that is as successful as, as Lily Dusk is now. Mm-hmm. This is, this has been like a Lily love interlude. So <laughs> we're really <laughs> off chapter now, but that's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think for a lot, for a lot of us, Midnight Pipeline is very meaningful in ways just beyond the story. So that's I do think, good. you know, it's important to me talk about that mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> back to back to the story um i just want to point out one thing before we um go back to the you know finish this memory um if you notice taurus posture also he's very much like he's drawing into himself he's hunched over he's leaning down and i think you know he's a he's relaxed um in poppy's house and i think also he's trying not to be you know as intimidating as he usually is i read that as he's just too large for this space but like he's like kind of he's squished and like his if he stretches his legs out he's gonna hit poppy if like he sits to the side that's just not a very masculine way of sitting and it's uncomfortable so like i saw him as like kind of squished in the space but then also now that aileen or ajeline said um after poppy's climbing on him he has a boner now that's all i'm thinking about because i'm immature (laughs) (laughs) so i'm just thinking of that as like hiding some secret panel that like lily knows is there but won't share with us we have an imagination it's fine we do. <laughs> so 
So <laughs> Poppy's like, I'll take that as a compliment. And now Mr. Lamb has to interrupt Poppy from her reverie. He's like, ahem, because Poppy, you know, she's staring and she has this really cute look on her face. She's clearly smiling a little bit. So it's a good memory for her. Hmm. And he's like, shall we continue? And she's like, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and back to, he said, back to what I was saying. You see, my wife was, shall we say, an aspiring writer back in our university days. And you see a picture of Mrs. Lamb very intently writing. Her tongue is out. She's clearly very um, attentive and animated and like energized. And he says she was truly passionate about a craft, but back in those days, women were told to stay home, be a good wife, a good mother. And there's another panel of Mrs. Lamb when she's older, you know, staring out of a window and she looks sad. She looks like she's feeling trapped, you know, staring at longingly outside a window is a typical, you know, um, way of expressing that somebody feels trapped when they want out. So, you know, it's sad. It is. But, so and well, it's of that time period, too, because, like, when it came down to, I'm going to assume we're, we're talking 1950s, 1960s, even though this is, like, a different um, culture. But, like, in Western culture, it was, like, sort of the same, like, you got to be a good wife and mother and stay home with kids. And, you know, and that's why we have, you know, songs like Mother's Little Helper from the Rolling Stones, because there was all of these women who were had worked in the factories during the war and like, you know, were doing so much for the war effort. And then they were expected to just go back to the kitchen and like d- do the wifely things. Yeah, very true. And so um, I wanted to quote um, Artemis Draws. She's on Instagram um, and she's from Patron. And she wrote um, some really inspiring um, I don't, feminist kind of, but like just, I don't know, important um, like insights, um, which I think Midnight Populin has a lot of just like general life lessons that we should all take away from you know, the story. But um, she, Artemis Draws wrote, uh, there are so many barriers women run into when it comes to pursuing their passions. The one, one of the most difficult barriers is that many people don't see that there are more barriers for women. I love that he owns the fact that he never really considered that it was important to her. And even more so uh, that instead of giving in and saying, oh, well, he's writing that wrong in honor of his wife, which in turn will impact women in the future in a positive way. So by Mr. Mr. Lamb to me is like a mixture of a life coach and like some kind of like divine intervention because like he's a catalyst for so much that is happening in the story. Um, by honoring his wife and continuing her legacy, he is now empowering Poppy in turn to be an editor. Um, so, like he's basically passing on like women to women, like empowerment, like in her career and just like the positive way of like supporting other women. Um, so I think like he is, and then like, so we see, I don't, I don't know if this, if anyone has anything else to say on this, but I'm jumping ahead for a second to the next, to the next section where Mr. Lamb finishes telling the story about his wife. Um, and he says, I should have been supporting her as the man in her life. Um, and that's like goals. Like that is like, Lily Dusk puts in so many life lessons that we should take away both. Like, it, you know, it's not specifically like feminist. Like it's like from both sides of all of this. It's just like be kind to other people and support other people and push them forward. And in doing so you push other people forward in the process by honoring his wife. He's helping Poppy um, who in later in turns helps, you know, Torah and so forth. Like Mr. Lamb is this weird. I don't know. I look at him as like, the deity walking among men right now, considering he's a salty old man. Like I'm giving him way too much credit, but um, I have a, a extreme respect for him in this section. 
Yeah. And he's doing, you know, what we were talking about before with, you know, someone like jewelry, he's, he's admitting to his mistakes and he's going to correct them. Yeah. Which is, which is, I don't do that. I should do that. I need to take a Mr. Lamb lesson because I am very stubborn and like saying, I'm sorry, is not an easy thing for me to to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to, and, and then not just saying, I'm sorry, but correcting it, like literally fixing his mistake instead of just like owning it and being like, okay, next time I'll do better. No, he's fixing it from, he's fixing his past mistake. Um, which like, bravo, man. Well, yeah, like he says that it is his greatest regret that he has like in his lifetime. And, and he's like, you know, putting all of his time and money into getting it done. Yeah. I mean, he didn't put his life in danger, right? Going, following Shark and, and the other guy. That's what he thought. Yeah. This, I mean, this one thing that isn't quite clear to me because it's not clear. He said, he tells Poppy um, while he's in the hotel room, he's like, um, you know, Shark has something very important to me. And basically he's talking about this, but it's not quite clear why, why he thought that they had that, what they told him to imply that, that they were able to help him with the manuscript. But oh well. Maybe. I wonder. I wonder. Actually, you know, I, I didn't really think that deeply about that. I, I remember the first version, I obsessed over that. And then this one, like, I kind of, I think I just assumed that maybe he thought that they would be able to put him in contact with Quincy. That, I mean, they obviously don't know who he is. Um, but I thought maybe, or Mr. Lamb doesn't know who he is exactly. Um, but I thought like maybe, maybe he knew they were sketchy and thought maybe with some underground connections, they'd be able to get him in contact. I'm not sure. That's kind of what I took away from it. I think I just did it unconsciously. I didn't really focus on that part of the story because I was overwhelmed with everything else. Or maybe also, um, you know, if Claude is, uh, sorry, if Shark is clever, he can pick up on um, cues from Mr. Lamb and just, you know, sweet talk him and make him, even without knowing what he wants, he can be like, oh, yes, sure, I can help you. You know, I can see him being clever. Enough well, yeah, because, I mean, Mr. Lamb in the other restaurant was, like, straight up saying that, oh, yeah, I have a ton of money, right? So, yeah, that, so that, to me, that seemed like, is it called catfishing? I don't remember. Like, to me, it sounded like he, like, he was, like, flaunting it on purpose. I don't, I don't think, I think it was just that, like, it was to emphasize the fact that he was being overheard, but like it almost sounded like he was like, hi, I'm big juicy bait. Come find me as if like he wanted them to find him. But I think I just, I think I made that up in my brain. Um, but it was almost as if like he knew they were there and like wanted their attention and just like floundered around, like flopping around, like, hi, I've got lots of money. Come grab me. <laughs> well, that would be really silly of him. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought maybe he wanted their attention for some, I don't know. I had some, some weird wackadoo theory back then, but I think, I think I've convinced myself otherwise now. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, just also like this image, Lily is really good at portraying, um, you know, stories through just art, which obviously, I mean, obviously it's a comic, right? I'm not that much of a, an art person, you know, like I communicate with words, but you know, when Mr. Lamb says over the years, she just quietly put down her brush pen, there's this image of like this empty desk, the one that she was scribbling at before and that was empty. I mean, it's just so poignant. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's like a slap in the face. It's a very subtle slap in the face, but it's still a slap in the face. And it's also now, especially now that it's empty because she's dead. So now it's like extra stirring. It is very. Yeah. So, so Poppy tells her, she's like, that you still have the manuscript she was working on, right? You mentioned this in the interview. And that's what I'd like to propose in a nutshell is that my team um, find a suitable candidate and oversee the completion of her manuscript. And it was funny. It's like an emotional sales strategy, huh? Clever plan, Miss Populine. <laughs> and here she is looking all bright and gleamy. She's hopeful, excited. 
And she says, I can, I mean, Mr. Lamb says, I can sense your sincerity, all this. It would have caught my attention back at Chevy's if you had been punctual and appropriately dressed like today, which I do appreciate, mind you. And um, <laughs> so it's like, he is, like you're mentioning he's a life coach. You know, he is giving her gentle guidance that like, you know, you got to dress appropriately for a business situation and come on time, you know, show respect. It's more of like what he says later about treating people with respect. Yeah. I just love the little artwork of her cracking. Like I... Oh yeah, not, she literally turns to stone and cracks. She does. And I relate so hard to that because like I'm um I'm I'm in like the business world and I'm absolutely had no interest in anything business related to be honest, like numbers and sales and none of that is is me at all. Um and yet I have to go to all these trade shows in my husband's business and basically sell products and and communicate all these things and it's business attire you're talking with they're pretty much all men um who like have a specific like i don't know business customs like even in america i'm like how do you like know how these like you know i grew up here and i'm still confused by like certain traditions and things and i always end up putting my foot in my mouth somehow um and like I'm luckily I'm very tiny and little and I look young. So like everyone's always just like, Oh, the cute little girl, it's fine. And like, they excuse my faux pas. But at the same time, I'm like, take me seriously. So like, I understand this 100%. Like the first couple of times I went to a meeting, like not in a blazer and not looking like business ish. Like I was completely just overlooked. And then as soon as I started, like, you know, you, you get into it, you learn a little bit more about making yourself heard and looking the part. Um, and you kind of have to just, you, you flounder for a little bit and until someone, points out something that embarrasses you and then you learn from it um so this this cracking stone facade really hit me pretty hard um and i appreciated it <laughs> and right and then mr lamb does tell her he's like it's not about it's about showing respect whoever they are and you know Poppy's like yes you know she's like she repeats what he says dress appropriately be punctual got it and then she thinks to herself that's right mr lamb arrived early even though he has a higher social status and i know that you know a lot of us like at least in America, we have a very egalitarian philosophy where everyone, you know, we're all equal. But I mean, we we still stratify. You know, that's just human nature. Like we're hierarchical beings, and I think especially in Asia, um, social status and hierarchy and like respect for elders is definitely very important. Yeah, very much agreed. Which um, actually leads me into another faux pas in this episode where I I mistakenly read something. So um, Mr. Lamb continues, you know, sadly, though, that interview only tells half of the story. Um, actually, well, I'll get to this later. There's still more to do. At some point, um, yeah, let's keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it in a second. I don't want to skip over this stuff. Okay, so he says, here's where it gets complicated. Papa said, complicated? And then he says, you see, there's actually someone I have in mind. He's a famous novelist. My wife was obsessed with his novels. She was a huge fan, to be precise. It's basically like she was obsessed, just like we were obsessed with Midnight Poppy Land. We understand obsession. (laughs) He's rejected every single offer I made to him, and he refuses to speak of my representatives, even myself. And he's showing her um, his phone at this point. And then (laughs) Mr. Lamb is like, you know, at this point you see, you know, his glasses are have become you know mirrors and you can't see his eyes and it's like so naturally i lodged a complaint about his diva issues as they call it in the tabloids and lily writes an apologetically salty old man so, <laughs> this is one of those moments where like i'm screaming the dots are all connected um because like the diva issues like literally so again mr mr lamb is such a catalyst for everything in this story he's the one that got quincy to basically leave Mr. Morrison and and that writing agency because he complained about Quincy's diva issues. Mr. Morrison then 
uh, I don't, did they even fi- I don't remember what the actual if he was fired or I know he was they were plagiarizing his work, but I don't remember if once yeah. he left he was fired. I think he was fired. He was also fired, so yeah. it was like both. They used him and then and then they fired him. Yeah, so he was fired because of his diva issues, which means because Mr. Lamb complained, they fired Quincy, which then led to like it, it, the whole thing is just like everyone is intertwined in this story and it is amazing and like mr lamb doesn't even realize that like he has started all of this well yeah it's like you know at the beginning where it was like the dots are all connecting because that's what you know this whole like story is just so intermingled within each other and if 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 mr lamb had not complained about quincy quincy would not have been fired which means that uh, Poppy would not have been able to commission Quincy to write Mr. Lamb's novel. Like, by complaining about Quincy, he got Quincy to write his wife's, you know, to finish his wife's yep. novel. Like, it was just so convoluted and messed up, but amazing. Which, by the way, shows you the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> wow. Yes, exactly. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's true. <laughs> I'm customer service, and this is like the rule. It's 100 percent true. Yeah, and then Mr. Whoever Lamb. Yeah, and Mr. Lamb literally says, "I'm not certain if my complaint had a part to play uh, in him leaving his publisher." I'm like, "Yeah, it did. It absolutely did." Completely <laughs> your fault. <laughs> yep. And he's like, he's so tight-lipped about his personal details, and I no longer have his contact. And we understand why he is because he um, doesn't want to be identified as the volume and heir. And Poppy is, meanwhile, she's looking at the phone, wide-eyed, and she says, ah, oh, so this person is the novelist you're referring to. I like, yes, that's right. You'll probably need to revise your polls. I'm leaving tonight. No hurry. I'd like to visit the infamous um, Naren Wildlife Valley before it shuts down. I'll be back very soon, <laughs> this time with proper security measures. So Poppy tells him in that case, locks the phone, slides it, and then she has this intense expression, and she says, leave it to me. I'll let you guys rhapsodize about this expression because I know this is a big favorite. Um, okay, so this expression is connected to somebody else that's like we kind of see later in the thing and I don't think we're at that part yet. Um, so I don't want to ruin it. But, uh, but remember this. <laughs> yeah, remember this expression because... Um, you can see where she gets it from. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and um, so this was another moment where I realized this is this was another real hint to Poppy's character, like arc development, where I realized like her her development, her character background might rival Tora's for the first time. Um, because like we almost for the, for. Tora's background being as um, tragic as it is and like kind of I I would say classically tragic in the fact that it's like you know bad home life um, kind of assumption and you know gang life and like it's something that like is this sounds absolutely awful like I want to say like it's a it's like poetic in a way like it's it's a common like theme um, of like bad boy trauma from young you know bad experiences um and while his might be more traumatic we think possibly we don't know what happened in poppy's you know past but tour is probably more traumatic um that doesn't mean that poppy's own hurdles and like own dark moments in her life are any less valid to her it's like when you hear people say 
Um, I don't want to complain because other people have it worse. Like the things that you're complaining about are still completely valid and have shaped who you are. And obviously Poppy has like a darker edge to her and we see Mm -hmm. um so like while it again it's not as quote-unquote tragic possibly as Torres, it's it's just as valid and it shaped her personality just as much um so this made me really fascinated to see you know we keep saying like oh i want to see Torres' childhood like oh i want to see why tor is the way he is like oh my god like what did vincent do to make Torres this way like what happened to poppy to make her this way oh Um, yeah Mm -hmm. i mean like you kind of see stuff you know as you continue to read mm-hmm. uh like i'm trying to like dance around it without ruining it but uh, pitch for all of you to go fast pass asap <laughs> uh, i mean you know I, I know that they've said like hey don't pressure people into fast passing but like mm, I, I would think about it if you can because uh, it's fun recommended at this moment <laughs> yeah um but yeah 100 percent uh there is so much more deep-seated like issues within poppy that we we don't quite have all of the information but it must have been pretty like look at her that's she went from cute little flowers popping out of her head and like wiggling at the praise from mr lamb to like i'll get shit done like real quick yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and this you know also to me is emblematic of like how important her work is she's very very determined to succeed in her work I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. And so this is the part that I got, I, I read wrong when I first read it, but I still think it's kind of funny. Um, even if you like, if you choose to read it this way while still acknowledging that it's not the actual intent, I don't think. Um, but she, she gives this death glare, slides the phone over, and then the waitress comes over, like, as if nothing's happening, like, ooh, here's your order. And um, she says the gentleman's order will be another, you know, it'll 10 more minutes for the gentleman. And Poppy's just, like, all of a sudden, like, ooh, food, thank you, I'm starving. And, like, Mr. Lamb is in the background, like, petrified. And my first thought, I read it as him, as if, like, she had completely ignored his earlier advice about, like, being a good, uh, like, for good presentations and respect for other people. I read it as, like, he's going to be 10 more minutes till his food is ready. But she's like, oh, cool, bring it on in. I'm hungry. He can wait. Like, his food will get here eventually. I'll eat food now. And I thought that was him being like, did you not listen to me at all? Like, we, we just had this great moment of of business conversation. And now all of a sudden you're throwing away all of your social, like, uh, manners and just eating without me. And then I realized it's because he was terrified from her look. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, he looks like, like, he was not expecting that where the hamster turns into a tiger yeah yeah. (laughs) don't at me (laughs) (laughs) no i I always hear lola saying don't at me kids like what's i don't really get the meaning of that honestly i don't think i heard it until lola used it on patreon i'm not it's just like a like don't it's like don't literally online like don't at me like don't if don't call me out on something i said and let's have a discussion about it like just move along (laughs) oh yeah i that's why i say it like um i think i recently or recently did it about um the joking post about what torah's real name is right like and i think i said melvin uh and then and i was like yeah this to us. You can't. Don't put these images in your hands, please. His, uh, <laughs> the, only, the only reason why I picked that name was because that was like the name of like 
the nerd guy from Sailor Moon in the like terrible old uh, like English version. So uh, anyways, that's that's his real name. Don't at me. Can you imagine? <laughs> Poor Nora. <sighs> Whatever. You know, it's like bringing sexy things. Nora will make money sexy again. Perfect. <laughs> okay let's clarify that's not actually his name <laughs> no 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 it's not <laughs> although it'd be hilarious if it is i mean yeah we don't know this is true we don't know it could be maybe it's melvin it's too tbd <laughs> so um continuing so after this we see a shot of oh i just realized something i was trying to think i was wondering if this looks familiar this landscape but anyway it's not from this episode anyway so um, Poppy's walking out and she thinks to herself, she's like, Hey dad. And, you know, right. She's walking out and it's, everything is really, you know, bathed in yellow sunlight and there's a lot of greenery around. Lily does a beautiful job with like the landscaping. There's always a lot of gorgeous trees and, and like the buildings. And she's looking up and she thinks, <laughs> don't worry. And she's looking at the trees. I might make mistakes and I might stumble and fall and cry. And here she's pursing her lips as though she is emotional but, and then she said, I'll pick myself up again and I'll keep moving forward because I know this is what you would have wanted me to do. And, and, you know, you see her again, like to literally moving forward with her professional high heels and, you know, something that she has achieved in her life, right? She just walked away from an achievement and she says, I'll take good care of myself and I'll always be thinking of you. Oh, this is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, so go and be free, which like no dad is going to, if this dad is watching over her, like. He's concerned about her. She, he's not going to be free. He's going to be worried about her for the dawn of time, even if he's, you know, with her only in spirit. Like, this this scene made me... I definitely... I cried the last episode. I I at least teared up. I don't remember if I cried again during this one, but, like, this one definitely struck home. Anything with, like, daughters and fathers, I think, um, mm-hmm. get me. But this one specifically was just very touching because like, she just had a victory. This was, this is a victory. And her first thought, like you said, an achievement. And her first thought was like, I got this dad. Like, thank you for teaching me to be how I am. You're still with me all the time, but you don't need to worry about me anymore, which is like so self-affirming. Yeah. And that she kind of like wants to share this with her dad, that she thinks of her dad at a moment like this, you know, because he's the one who, yeah, who taught her how to be, be who she is. It looks like he was the main you know, um, parent figure in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and this transition from like this scene with showing like her and her dad and it shows like the butterfly, right. And saying like, so go and be free. And then we see the butterfly like flying. Uh, and then it like changes where the butterfly is flying in a very different landscape. Like, it's uh it's darker it's uh more um blue tones right so it's uh somber yeah somber depressing and it's so yeah, and it's-, it's also this is what so okay this is i definitely remember crying because i remember the second i realized it was a tiger butterfly and as soon as I realized it was a tiger butterfly, uh, I lost my goddamn mind. I'm like, I'm getting emotional now because this butterfly literally transcends time. It goes from her memory of her and her dad, literally pops out of space and is now in the real world, flitting down to Torah as if passing, as if this butterfly is is the essence of her dad, watching over Poppy after her, realizing like, 
she just she had a great achievement like this is my girl doing doing what she wanted to do she did it well she's strong she's got this but to be safe i'm gonna go to this guy now and it lands on torah and it's literally passing the baton i think i think that was lola on patreon used that exact phrase but Mm -hmm. passing the baton on to torah as if like i will watch over my daughter but now it's your turn to do this for me and like holy shit <laughs> that blows yeah. my mind. What? Like yep. literally her dad like linking the two like this is a blessing. This is him literally blessing them. Like he's like, you know, this this man now like is is going to to, to take over. So okay, Ajeline and Mindy and everyone else listening, with that with that thought in mind, with this passing of the baton, um go and listen to when you're done listening to this, uh wherever you will go by the calling the lyrics will mess you up like i need to find han wherever you will go um because there it's as if if you listen to the song as if it was from poppy's dad um there's the um okay so um and maybe i'll find out a way to make it back someday to watch you and guide you through the darkest of your days if a great wave shall fall and fall upon us all, then I hope there's someone out there who can bring you back to me. Um, and then, oh my God, I need to just honestly just go listen to it. Like if you're listening to it from, from her dad's perspective, as if like he's passing this on to Torah, like it, it just, it was emotional. I, li- I read this episode a million times and just like listened to the sad music. Like I was an emo teenager over and over again. Um, it was, it was very emotional. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, that was amazing. And yeah, it is extremely moving. And especially if like, you think about the symbolism of a butterfly as well. So a butterfly is known to be like a creature of metamorphosis because, you know, it goes in, it crawls up and it locks itself up in, in, a, in a chrysalis and you think it's dead. You think it's like just nothing. And then it reemerges and it's more beautiful than it was before. So, and you know, it's also, it's an allegory for souls in many ways, right? Where the souls are first in a body and then they're, they're released from their body. So it's like life after death. And that's like the dad part. But I think it's also very meaningful for Torah because this is Torah's turn to metamorphosize and to, and the kind of like Poppy and the gentle spirit of her father are helping to awaken Torah and to make him into a new person. You know, he's locked up in a shell right now. He's, you know, looking ugly on the outside. Um, not in that way, but you know, <laughs> in a moral sense. He Never looks, that way. He looks like, right. <laughs> you know, he's in a dark place right now and he's all locked up and trapped, but he has the, the potential now to reemerge and come out and show his true, beautiful self. Oh, yes. Okay. I didn't. So also, when you said, I didn't think of it, I, I looked at it kind of as probably because I'm from a female perspective, but I was looking at that from the Poppy's dad wants. Um, Torah to kind of take care of Poppy. But now that you mentioned when the butterfly lands on Torah, it's very light. So like, maybe you're right. Maybe her, her dad is bringing them together so that they could shed light on each other. Um, so again, sorry, I'm going back to the song. Um, I found the first, the first stanza of the lyrics is, um, so lately I've been wondering who will be there to take my place when I'm gone. You'll need love to light the shadows on your face. If a great wall shall fall, uh, if a great wave shall fall and fall upon us all, then between the sand and stone, could you make it on your own? Which is like showing like you need each other to light, to light the dark parts of your life. Like you can't do this on your own. Um, like who's going to, who's going to take that up when I'm gone? Meaning when her dad is gone, who's going to make Poppy smile in her dark moments? Cause she can't do this on her own. Um, and it works for Tora too. So um, I, I really like that. It, it's both of them. 
Yeah, exactly. There's the wonderful thing about symbolism and like a well-written story is that it can have many layers. So many layers. I'm like, this is, this is an insane amount of layers. I say this all the time, but like this blows my mind. Like just so the, the, uh, the dots are all connected aspect of it. Like the storyline, the art, like to be able to just, I don't know. I just, I need to, I need to build a shrine to Lily because <laughs> I just, I don't, I can't fathom this. I maybe, I don't know, but it's just, it's amazing. See, I took it almost like her dad was, um, like, it was okay, um, that, like, he had been watching over uh, Poppy in a way, right? But, like, he knows that, like, she's going to be okay on her own. But now he's watching over, like, the person that he knows in the future Poppy's going to be with and that that person oh, Tora beautiful like this needs is like, guidance it's like Les Mis or Jean Valjean pulls Marius out of the so like he like protects him for his ward's adopted daughter's sake because he knows that like they love each other so he's protecting him now like this is some this is some deep stuff right here that is yeah. beautiful I love that idea mm-hmm. yeah it's really beautiful on so many levels huh. so now um, if you also look back, like the at the setting that Tora is in, so he's walking through this like really dark, like you said, somber area. He's walking very stoically, you know. He's shrouded in a sweatshirt, and you know, like there's blood stains on the on like the building and on the floor where he's at. So it's like a really shady area. And you hear these people talking, and they're like, "Hey, man, heard the news? Yeah, I heard it all right. A huge waste of time, if you ask me." Yeah, I heard it was just a fad, some dumbass rumor. Nobody figured out what was inside anyway. And presumably they're talking about the notebook. And you see it's a bunch of you know, two young guys while Tora's walking past them, not giving any indication that he's listening or that he's involved in what they're talking about, which is, again, you know, Tora being stoic and clever. And they're like, can't say I'm surprised, especially that there's a new clan war brewing, I'll say. And from the looks of it, it's going to be a real bloodbath. Uh-oh. And, you know, here Tora is getting into this um, blue car. And he said, there's like, they're like, damn, in times like these, I'm glad I'm just a little street rat. You feel me? Man, you said it. And I feel very bad for these these boys, by the way. You know, like the, the fact that they identify as street rats, it's like sad. You know, they know that they're low on the totem pole. And while in a way it protects them, it's also they're very dispensable. And they're the first ones to go whenever there's any clan war. So they're not as safe as they think they are. That is true. I wonder whose car that is. <laughs> Huh. Well, I guess you'll have to read further to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a new heartthrob. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Everyone, in this, everyone in this in this show show uh, comic is a heartthrob. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like my husband says about about like Hollywood. He's like. Um, you know, it's like even the, obviously the leads are attractive, but he's like even the friends are like also super attractive people. Is like <laughs> so yes, in midnight population, everyone is attractive. <laughs> so odds are the car belongs to a stud. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we see this hot rod car driving away, um, <laughs> and then we get to this building by a really pretty water. It's really it's a gorgeous setting. Yeah, it like yep. it definitely lights up uh, the mood considering uh, where we had been beforehand. So it's, it's very different. 
Yeah. And the first, when I first got to this panel where the car is pulling up, you see the parking lot um, and you're looking like from where the sea is, you're looking towards the building. There are little hearts in the parking lot. And I was like, oh, like did maybe like she made some like accidents or like maybe like she was drawing and like the pen kind of scribbled as she was doing it. Like, no, those look like hearts. And then you keep scrolling um, and you see that, ooh, that feels good. And they're like, what about this? Like macho bravado. Um, and then we lead into this lovely scene of the guardman. Oh, yeah. I never, I never noticed the hearts. It's hilarious. That's- yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, was, they're really cute considering, you know, what's happening. Yeah, I don't know. I don't associate what they're doing with cute but, or, or love. <laughs> they're cute. I mean, objectively, if you're looking at it without the context. Oh, yeah. And he's like... Uh, and one of the the words is like, hold on, I think I heard someone. And it's like, you know, nobody ever comes here. Shh, stay down, cupcake. You're not supposed to be here. Cupcake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of like, um, remember, if you, the, there's this movie that I watched when we were kids with Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen. Um, it takes two, I think it is. Oh, yeah. And. I think it's that one where the girl that he ends up being with, she t- she tells she's talking to her friends at like a campfire. This is literally talking back to when I was six years old. I, I still remember the scene, and she's complaining about like a guy who was with this woman who her name is Candy, and she's like, "Yeah, all these women, they're like, you know, they're like candy, and the ones muffin, and she's like she's making fun of like the frivolous kind of women." <laughs> so, anywho, that's so. The so yeah, is that the one with that. Billy Crystal and um, Christy Alley? I think so. Yes. Oh my god, that is a you know flash from the past for me too. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw yeah. it. I wasn't really a Mary Kate and Ashley fan. So shocked my soul. <laughs> They're so cute. I love them. Yeah, that was. I mean, we watched that movie with like my whole extended family. Like all my cousins came. We all sat in the living room. There was like this VCR and like tons of cousins and aunts just sat in the living room and watched it on a Saturday night. I remember that very clearly. Ironic that they had candy in there too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was a laugh that turned into a cough, but I've been doing that all night. Anyway, it was, it was a laugh. So, um, okay. So back to this, we see Tara lighting up a cigarette, which is telling it's some kind of anxiety. So whatever he's doing in this apartment building is giving him some kind of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meantime, we've got <laughs> this lovely couple in the gatehouse, um, you know, getting it on while she's concerned that his wife showed up out of the blue. But now it's probably someone at least marginally less terrifying than his wife. <laughs> That's Dora. <laughs> and she's like, you know, she's her shirt is basically off. She's just in a bra. You know, his shirt looks open here. They're, yeah, like you said, getting it on. <laughs> sweaty. Very sweaty. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, it's it's not my wife. It's just it's some street punk. Right. And he ain't supposed to be smoking here. Mm-hmm. Leaves on such an ominous note. Yep. Oh. And, you know, he's in his sweatshirt. His face is still shrouded. Um, again, it's sad that like this guy looks at him like some street punk. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I think that a little bit of like the. um American standards of dress are are diff- are like I think much more. No, I know they're much more casual. So um, my husband's European, and when we went to um, we went to Holland a couple of times, and I remember we were heading back to the airport, and we were at the train, and we saw this group of teenagers, and my my sister in law was like, oh, those are they're called hoppers. 
And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, she's like, yeah, it's like some youthful like subculture. And I was like, how do you know? And she said, oh, because they, they're wearing sneakers and they're wearing sweatpants and t-shirts and like short haircuts. I was like, oh, so they just look like American teenagers <laughs> rather than like, the, then I realized like the other European teenagers had been wearing like nicer clothes with like longer or fashion, fashionable. I thought they were fashionable, like longer hairstyles and like nicer shoes. I was like, oh, and those I see. So, like, beautiful hip hugging jeans that he's got on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, his clothing to me looks like just normal clothes, but I think maybe um, in that world it might be um, too casual, and like that's the that's what's associated with it. Maybe I like that. I also I like that his face is very shrouded. Like the whole thing, it just leaves off, and I'm very. It was a very good cliffhanger because, like, we don't know what's going on. We don't know why Tora is here. We don't know why he's looking all dark and sketchy. Um, like, mm-hmm. tinted window car. Like, everything about this is, like, I don't want to be known that I'm here um, kind right. of vibe. And we don't know where he is. I mean, like, we guess. Like, we all guessed it's Poppy's apartment, but we weren't sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So any thoughts on the episode overall? Oh, God. My brain. So I mean, we kind of go all over the place where we have like a cute moment and then we see some character character growth with Poppy. And then we go into like a dark, mysterious moment with Tora. And then we go like uh, where and then we travel with him and then we see like a little bit of like that butterfly thing that like this episode is all over the place, but it's uh it's it was a good one yeah all over the place is, is a good way of putting it but like because it was like there was a backwards jump in it there was like there were a couple there was the backwards jump to Tora and poppy's dinner there was the backward jump to the memory of her dad then there was like the time kind of skip or space skip of the butterfly going to Tora. like it was like a very the whole i want to say that like my word for this chapter is transcendent Mm-hmm. from the butterfly to their um poppy and Tora's um like va- like validation for each other like they they definitely like this whole thing was like a very big growth moment um from so many different ways and even like poppy on her own uh, grew like she she had a successful business meeting where like she's confident that she'll be able to succeed in in finding Mr. Lamb this mysterious author um so it was just like a very deep and like positive like forward thinking kind of chapter it was just like a lot of like good things came out of it yeah yep yeah and I I like what you said about the word transcendent because I think that you know Lily has a definite vision for this story where things like the beginning right she says it out right away things are connected so there's a little bit of like a spiritual element to this whole story and like a little bit super um i don't know supernatural is the right word but well, there's definitely like a it's, kind of high power element here mm-hmm. like subtly supernatural it's not like a werewolf is going to jump out of the bushes supernatural but it's like there are little things here and there that are just like maybe the world can't be explained by all facts like sometimes there's a little bit of fate and a little bit of magic yeah. hiding you know in in the details yeah, faith that's definitely the word I was gonna use. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, nice. And then we leave we leave everybody wanting this next episode of of where is Tora going with this? Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so, so much, um, Angeline and Emily. And thank you, Emily, for jumping on at the last minute. We appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. It was fun to to stop working and focus on taking notes for this chapter instead of <laughs> being bored at work. So <laughs> I was a very bad employee today, but it was so worth it. I mean, I got to reread this chapter. So I thank you. Oh, don't take me off. <laughs> he can, my husband can't fire me, so we're good. I'm, I'm in the Okay. Well, thank you so much, guys. No, girls. no problem. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks. Bye. Bye.